Uncomfortable podcast where we discuss all the things that make us uncomfortable. I am your co-host Alura, and I am the other one, Jade. And today we have a real special treat. We have double the fun. Two guests. Ray oh my gosh! No, I'm. We're getting famous. It's just crowds of people banging down the door. So we have Ray and Dimitri joining us today. And they're going to be teaching us a little bit about why Allura and I, as such bitches, shouldn't be such whiny pussies all the time and really man up. And also why everything I just said is totally wrong and offensive. So, yeah. Let's get masculine with Dimitri and Raymond. <laughs> Hi, Dimitri. Hi, Ray. Hi. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Is there any biographical info, any weird birthing stories, adolescent tales, and preferred pronouns and things like that that you want to say to the audience? Great. <laughs> As men, we feel like we can't take this, so yeah, we can't take, like, this space, you know? We have to make space for the women here, that's why. <laughs> Oh, yes. Please take it up. I mean, Allura and I are not, we no. shouldn't be talking at all. So um, <laughs> let, let's start with Ray. I mean, he's he's the youngest among us. So let, let's give him the floor. Ray, tell the people, the fine listeners about yourself. Um, Yeah, so I'm Ray. I met everybody here through uh, nothing. I, through work work well i don't know because i can't say the name of it right i yeah it was I, seamless real smooth yeah keep going yeah yeah well <laughs> good. I've, i lived in oceanside all my life which is great um i'm very very tired right now so i don't i, don't, I shouldn't have been put on the spot first Nancy. i was hoping dimitri could like pick up the slack on this one and i'll go right after him but yeah, it's oh, it's all everything gonna, about me. It's all gonna be edited out. Yes. Um Dimitri, yes. <laughs> tell the fine people about you. Uh, well, hello everyone. Uh my name is Dimitri. I use him as pronouns. I identify as a gay man. Um originally born and raised in Carson, California, but I've moved all over the place. Uh finally came back to LA after a couple of years and I've met Everyone here through work as well. It's been great, and we've become friends over time. Uh, so yeah, excited to be here. So excited oh. to talk about masculinity, gender, all that stuff. Excellent, thank you, friends. I know. I'm really excited. I'm putting it in my Me treasure too. box. Those like three good things that happened in my life. Now that friend comment is in there, just jingling around. Um, Ray, Ray, now that you've heard Dimitri go, is there anything you want to add to your bio? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I'll just leave it as it is. It's not eligible now, so we'll we'll just go on to the next thing. Man of mystery. I like it. (laughs) Very much so. 
Okay. Well, thank you. Um, So we all know me and Jade's favorite topic is ourselves. So why don't you tell us um, what your origin story is with us? We kind of discussed it in your bios, but how did you meet us? And what makes us, what makes you the most uncomfortable about me and Jade and (laughs) all the things? (laughs) Okay. I'll go first on this one. I'll recover from last one. So uh, the first time I met Alora, I didn't even, I didn't realize that she wasn't like with my class. Like I didn't realize she was staff um, until like the second week when somebody, they they mentioned that she worked for the program because of a certain instance that had happened in that cohort. (laughs) That was like the first 2020 when everything was going on. And then right after that, it was just always her texting me to do my work or come to class because I was not making those meetings at all. And that was around the same time I met Auntie Jay, too, because she was also texting me and trying to figure <laughs> out why I wasn't going to class and that. But I'm here now. So thank you guys both for that. <laughs> You're welcome. We are happy to do it. We're happy to be the old shrews nagging you to do the things, all the things. Um, Raymond 100% ghosted me and it really hurt my feelings. mm -hmm. Literally, we went to a conference last year in April. Okay. And we like formulated a group chat and this man had not saved my phone number. He was like, who is this? And I was like, are you kidding me? And he was like, I'm sorry. And I was like, save it right now or block it. Do one of those two actions, but just make me feel like I'm seen. So, and honestly, this is not just a Ray thing because within our little community that we have, there are people who have texted me and confessed things to me that their own mothers don't even know. So I felt like there was some form of intimacy there, you know, a trust, (laughs) perhaps you might say a love, and then I'll follow up in a couple of weeks and they're like, who this? I'm like, God (laughs) damn it. We had something going, like, um, but yeah, it it happens and it's hurtful. But uh, as y'all know, the pain makes Allura and I who we are. So, Dimitri, what makes you uncomfortable about us and all of the wonderful memories you've made with us in the past year that you? Yeah, so I actually met Auntie Jade during my interview. That was the first time I ever met her. Um, and I think I saw her and I was like via Zoom and I just remember being so intimidated because her energy was in juxtaposition to uh, coaches. And so I was very much like, this is like very good cop, bad cop. Like, I feel like I need to perform. I, I don't know. I was just like, I was very nervous. Um, and then, but after the fact, you know, after I got the position and then having conversations with Auntie Jade, um, it was obvious that she just cared about the students. Um, but then now that I was part of the team, she also cared about me. So I thought that was really nice. Um, in terms of my origin story with Alora, oh Lord, uh, I just remember... I was told to text her for stuff. And so I texted her and I thought, okay, she seems normal. 
and then I met her in person. My first, yeah, oh, no. I was like, I felt like I was misled. It was like catfished, right? Like I got catfished. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought she was a certain way, and then I meet her in person. First, I thought she had really cute clothes, right? I thought her outfits, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like she obviously has money or she knows how to thrift. It's one of the two. And I couldn't decide right then and there. Very yeah. Yes. Uh, but then she started talking, and that's when it all just went downhill. Because the sass was <laughs> unparalleled. I was not sure if I was going to make it out of my first day teaching alive. Like, I thought the students were going to cut me, but no, it was her words that cut me. Um, yeah, so it, it was an interesting experience. I think um, Allura is an acquired taste that after a while I felt like I was able to, you know, take little bites here and there and finally realize, hmm, I think I can be sassy with her. Um, and even though she doesn't think I love her, mm. I feel like all of my actions. Cause you don't, but it's okay. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's actually what makes me uncomfortable with Alora. She thinks I don't love her, even though I like bring her food gas her up, literally text her and ask her like, hey, where are you? Um, so it's like my love will never be enough, you know? That's that's what makes me uncomfortable. I've never been felt like, I've never felt like that, but I do now. Thanks so, Laura. Yeah. Wow. I think you really distilled Alura down to her pure essence, Dimitri. This is, this is how we all feel. You know, something about what you said is that you don't expect Allura to say the things that she does when she opens her mouth. I really feel like, I mean, this is a gender kind of focused episode. Allura is very, very beautiful. Like, okay, inside and out, but just talking about the physicality now, Allura is very beautiful. And I think in our society, we're socialized to believe that if someone is physically appealing or meets a certain standard of beauty, that part of that beauty entails that they... Um, acquiesce or are complacent to a lot of gender norms and Allura does not <laughs> she like is her full self she's breaking taboos and social norms all over the place so it's almost a little disarming when you hear her speak and she's not you know giggling behind her hand quietly and saying all the boring girly stuff that we're supposed to say so I think that is the true beauty of Laura. Um, but, you know, some, some folks, it, it takes some time. She's an acquired taste. And some folks can never handle it at all. And that's yeah. how we whittle away the losers. Wow. I also feel um, very offended, but also... <laughs> I feel attacked, offended, but also thank you. Um, <laughs> this is our sweet spot on the podcast. Extreme yes. hurt with uh, love as well. But it makes me feel good. So thank you. Allura, um, what's been making you uncomfortable this week? Okay, this has probably been like the worst week ever. Mm -hmm. um, I forcefully made Raymond on Friday like come pick food up with me <laughs> and immediately I was like Raymond <laughs> he was like spill the tea and I was like well do you know what's going on because like let me know what you know and then he was like no I can't let you know because this is confidential and I was like well I'm confidential too and he was like 
but just say it. And I was like, sure, I'll just say it. So then. <laughs> same time. Same time. <laughs> and then I didn't get his side. So because we ran out of time. Mm. But my coworker, we were like dropping food off. And then like Raymond like did like a funny little dance. And my coworker was like, you can you can go with a look because I needed to park my car. And she was like, you can go with Allura. It seems like you weren't done speaking. And everyone was like, thank you. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I got white manned this week uh, multiple times um, for doing my job. Apparently, I hurt people's feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just don't know what to do with that because I'm just like, I... I'm sorry, that wasn't my intention to hurt your feelings. But also, I'm going to continue to do my job. And if you're hurt that you didn't come up with the idea first, that's not my problem. Mm -hmm. But you're making it be my problem, you know? So that's the kind of battle that I'm working with this week, along with other racist people that I deal with on a daily basis that have made a resurgence. So that's really fun. Um, I drank way too many bottles of wine this week after work, full disclosure. Is she turning it into an alcoholic? Who knows? We'll see. Um, follow up for part two. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, it's racism fault, you know, if you're drinking wine. I mean, if you're dealing with racism, how else do we decompress from the constant barrage of microaggressions and sometimes just straight up slap a bitch in the face racism? Like, that's a lot to handle. Yes. Especially when... So that was... I mean, you're, no, working, go ahead. you're working extra hard to overcome the racism that's already set against you and the sexism, too. And then when you work hard and then people are all mad about it because you're doing your job well... I was like, you can't win. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I hear you. Drink up. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so that was my rant for the week. Thank you for listening. Someone else, take a turn, take a stab at it. Okay, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> then our guests, our guests have some time to think about it. I'm going to be chivalrous here and just go first. So... One of the ways that I deal with trauma <laughs> is uh, by disassociating. And I, I mean, I think since I was a kid, I'm a pretty hardcore disassociator. Like hours can go by and I have no idea what's happened. And I am just so absorbed in an internal world, often fabricating some kind of narrative that helps to... <laughs> alleviate the pain of existence <laughs> because living in my head is is just very abrasive my own internal monologue is is very <laughs> it's like a constant rug burn a mental rug burn <laughs> so I disassociate and um the other day I was disassociating in the car I think it was which is not safe for driving but you know I've never been in an accident so I think it's working out okay for me it's in the car and then I snapped to right at the end of a matchbox 20 song 
And I was fucking horrified that I had sat through a whole Matchbox 20 song of him going, you know, all that like (laughs) late 90s, early 2000s white guy angst. And they're like trying, I guess they're trying to mimic Eddie Vedder, but I don't, I don't know what that voice is that kind of goes like this, you know, that kind of singing. And I was so worried for myself that I had let that go on, that I had let that go into my ear holes for a whole three minutes or whatever, because I was disassociating. So I think it's a problem. I think it needs to be addressed. Medical attention is necessary. So that made me very uncomfortable that I'm so out of control of my mental health. Matchbox 20 is the the barometer here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know that barometer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Ray, what's been making you uncomfortable lately? Oh, man. This actually just happened to me yesterday, last night. But um, so all of my friends, when we get together, we obviously like to uh, smoke a little bit or a lot while we're there. One person in particular, though, and he's the person who, like, we stay with whenever we're doing that stuff. Uh, he likes to put on like really gory or really like dramatic movies um, during that stuff. And it really freaks me out because this is like, I'm not in the state of mind to be dealing with this stuff. And he put on a Jake Gyllenhaal movie last night called Prisoners and it's on Netflix. The movie itself, it's like, it's good cinematography. But it is so awful because it's like the story is about a guy who his daughter gets kidnapped and the whole movie is just him trying to find them. And I couldn't even finish the movie. I had to like bury my head into a pillow like a little kid because I was just not in the state of mind to be dealing with something so tense like that. Um, That seems like it would just amplify the anxiety from the substance that you are consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. Doesn't seem good. And Jake Gyllenhaal, man. I don't like him. Why are you like making him. sixes, Hollywood stars? Come on. Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, Dimitri, did I offend you? Do you like Jake Gyllenhaal? I just had to make sure he was the Where's guy Dimitri from Brokeback Mountain, and he is. So I just needed to make sure that that was him. Yeah. 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 But I'm not offended, but I am into yeah. him. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so where do you rank Jake Gyllenhaal? Is is he hot to you? Is he like oh a definitely nine not a nine? I would give him like a seven or an eight. Like he's like oh like I would okay, sleep okay, with so you if I first saw you, but it's not like I want to marry you and fuck you every day yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, looking at that face every day would get so boring yeah. so fast. Okay, Brokeback Mountain. Where do you rank Heath Ledger? Rest in peace. Oh, he's like way lower. <laughs> I'm just not into blondes. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm um, not into blondes. I okay. feel like that makes you more white to me. And that's just not like my ancestors are rolling in the grave already. Like at me even like sleeping with any <laughs> white man, but like a blonde one, like you definitely messed yeah. up, you know? So, yeah. Ooh, I can't wait for Allura to make that a sound bite so I can play it for my husband. <laughs> Um, Ray, are you usually a scary movie or thriller movie kind of guy? 
yes, I love watching like horror movies, especially supernatural movies in general. Oh, but no. usually, like the movies he puts on are too realistic mm. for me, mm. and it really like irks me whenever it's like something that's so possible around me i'm like i don't want to i don't want to invite the idea of that happening anywhere near me it's too too much so you're okay Raymond. With... oh go ahead. sorry have you ever watched law-abiding citizen but just like the first like 10 15 minutes no okay because that movie scarred me for life when i was like 10 <laughs> when i watched it um <laughs> to the the root of Alara's trauma here let me tell you the first 10 minutes is like the craziest most intense thing ever and I recently rewatched it too like full adult and still traumatizing so let me just walk you through okay first like minute it's a father like the doorbell rings the father opens it, okay, immediately gets stabbed in the stomach, oh. abdomen. He falls down, okay? And then the father has a wife and a daughter, okay? They're freaking out. So essentially, the father lying on the ground in a home invasion has to watch his family die in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. So then, first five minutes, are you kidding me? And then five ten years go by the captors right one of them is like getting killed by lethal injection whatever and then the father makes a resurgence he's been formulating this crazy revenge plan in his head okay he tracks down like the main like intruder and basically like comes up with this whole thing and totally just dismembers this man in front of like mirrors he's laying on like a counter and watching himself be dismembered i'm 10 mind you okay so talk about realistic things (laughs) this is what's gonna happen in junior high i am out So I would say if you're on the substance again and your friends there, put on like home um, law abiding citizen and then just freak out. Oh my gosh. No, I don't think I'll pass. Thank you for the (laughs) Yeah, I'll pass on that one, but it's I'll keep it in mind. Laura, I think we should have an episode where we just go step by step through the scenes that traumatized us from <laughs> Don't even get me started on Taken. So anyway, oh, that's another episode. You know, I feel like I'm really removed from mainstream culture because I haven't seen Taken for the very reason that I can't watch these real life things, especially when children are being kidnapped or killed. Like that's just too much. This is not entertainment for me. But also, I can't watch ghost movies because I've been haunted literally <laughs> so much in my life. But it, that feels too real as well. And I know that people won't believe it and blah, blah, blah. But that shit is real. So the only thing I can really handle is monsters because that's so silly. Um, but recently my stepdaughter wanted to start watching scary movies. And so I was trying to take her back through the canon and we watched uh, paranormal oh, no. activity and I couldn't sleep for a good three weeks. 
I knew what was going to happen. I knew when to look away. I, I was preparing myself, but it still traumatized me. It feels very real. And it convinced me that I am possessed by a demon because otherwise, why would I be like this? So, Dimitri, what's uh, making you uncomfortable these days? <laughs> I love the little pivot. Like, that was very, very smooth. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a real ballerina of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know there's been a lot of things that made me uncomfortable recently, but I think one that sticks out is, I, I don't know if it's specific to Islander culture, but there's this, like, whole thing around saving face with family so like willing to like mm. brush it under the rug when I feel like that only like if something were to happen, right? Like some drama or infidelity, right? Were to happen um, to just throw it Ooh. under the rug and be like, oh, let's not talk about it. But it's like, wait, why mm. don't we talk about it? You know, um, but it only happens and this is getting to the podcast episode, like when it's like a man that does it, right? That, oh, we shouldn't talk mm. about it because we need to honor the man in our like family or culture or whatever. Um, but the moment like someone who identifies as a woman does something, you know, tragic or whatever, it's like, oh, the whole village knows. Everyone needs to talk about it. <laughs> you know, this person is shunned or like looked down upon. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like I've just been like over it, you know, but in the sense, it's also like, oh, this is my culture. So what do we do? Um, mm. but yeah, I would say that's just been the biggest thing for me. Ugh, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. I, that's a really good point about how, when it comes to women, the gossip just runs wild. And what's really unsettling to me, I think, especially in academia, that's supposed to be so enlightened and blah, 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 and intellectual, there's this whole discourse emerging that is theorizing that gossip is a positive thing, like it's a way of survival. And, I mean, for oral tradition, okay, that's one thing. If you're telling stories to help teach your children about culture or protect them from dangers in the world or build their build up their confidence, fine. But gossip, like this hurtful stuff, throwing people under the bus, shaming them, ostracizing them, calling them names, like that shit like literally can take people's lives. And I mean, I've seen it in my culture too. So I think that's something that happens in lots of different contexts and is really unfair. It really reflects a, a double standard because the men do get protected a lot. And that's why... They have so many wives and so many illegitimate children, and it just keeps going. Yeah. But those sluts can't have any fun. <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of really sad. What do you think that we should break the silence most about? classic comedy where I'm like what do you want to talk about and he's silent it's like it proves a point yeah <laughs> <laughs> love that thanks Jade let's move on to the next I'm kidding <laughs> are we ready to play our game 
Yes, let's play a game. Let's play a game, just like the serial killers in your movies do. So this is a little game of Would You Rather. So this is for, um, mostly for Raymond and Dimitri, but Allura, if you have any unsettling responses, please feel free to share them. Will do. Okay, so first up, would you rather, (laughs) I know Ray (laughs) likes this one, be mistaken for a woman or a werewolf? (laughs) I've been giving this one a lot of thought. Good. (laughs) And I think I would rather be mistaken as a woman. Okay. Because if I'm mistaken as a werewolf, that that probably means I'm like hairy beyond comparison. And I don't want to have to deal with that, you know? So we're going with women. That's why you would want to be a woman. <laughs> well, I mean why what what did what would the correct answer be, Auntie? What what there would is the none. exactly so yes, that's there is be none, answer. but yours is wrong. Um, but there are like hairy women out there like you know and that's even like looked upon Mm -hmm. even more yeah but any hairy woman is gonna be 10 times better in comparison to being a werewolf (laughs) plus I get to shape shift and stuff yeah that's true no but I don't get to shape shift I'm just I just look like I can shape shift but I'm just stuck in this half mode Okay, wait, but if if you can see that you're just mistaken for one and you're not really a werewolf, why are you assuming that you'd be super hairy? Well, because I would assume you would, like, take up a little more features of whatever you're being mistaken as. Or is it just like, do I just look like this and people just automatically think, oh, yeah, that's a that's a werewolf. That's a woman. Yeah, there we go. This is interesting psychological terrain now. Yeah. Yeah, you're not hairy. People just see you and they're like, homeboys, got to get ready for the full moon. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm still taking woman. Okay. I'm still going to take woman. I can dig it. What do you think is the best part about being a woman, Ray? Best part about being a woman? Yeah, best part. We'll talk plenty about the worst part. I don't... I don't. I don't know if I can answer that question. Oh, too sexual. <laughs> I think, you know what? You know what? I got it. I think the thing I'm most jealous about mm-hmm. is that women's OnlyFans are way more popular than men's OnlyFans. So, like, there's a million people who are on that website that are their revenue is in the millions or the hundred thousands. But if I do it. I'll be lucky to make $20. I mean, it depends. I think it depends. Like, you can market yourself, like, to the queer community who are very much mm-hmm. on brand or, like, on or in solidarity with, like, sex work and, you know. So I think you could definitely find an audience that would be willing to be patrons of your work. Yeah. Wow, I think we just struck a business deal on this podcast. Ray, content creation for OnlyFans. Dimitri, consultant, manager, moneymaker. Perfect. Okay, so the thing that you envy about women is how much money they make on OnlyFans. Noted. Oh, don't say it like that. (laughs) Jesus. My name is Jade, not Jesus. Dimitri, um... 
woman or werewolf? I would have chosen the werewolf because I think people wouldn't believe a werewolf exists. And I think it's easy. I think Whoa. it's easier for you to get past being like the whole idea of like, you know, get past it because it's like, oh, werewolves are only things that you see in movies or whatever. Right. So they're not really real, but women are real. So yeah, that was my thought process behind it. That was actually quite Oh poetic. my gosh. As a mixed race person, I often feel that people don't believe I'm real. <laughs> Would you rather scream involuntarily at your own genitalia or others' genitalia? Behind the scenes, or BTS, as the kids say, I wrote this question at around two in the morning during a fit of insomnia, which is a regular thing for me. And I giggled so hard and I was trying to like pinch my lip shut so I wouldn't wake up everyone, but it just tickled me so. So tickle us with your answers, gentlemen. Would you rather scream involuntarily at your own genitalia or others? I can, oh. Uh, I'm gonna. No, okay, you, you go, I, you. I said others. I Oh, I would scream involuntarily at other people's genitalia. <laughs> and my reasoning for this mm-hmm. was I was thinking, okay, like gay sex, one of the biggest things that people do is wear a jock strap, right? Um, specifically mm. if you're receiving anal. Um, and so because of that, like if I were to have sex and the person's wearing a jock strap, I don't have to see their genitalia, right? So then I wouldn't be screaming during sex, but if I had to keep looking at my own, yeah, I'd be screaming during every freaking thrust. And so I wasn't about that life. So I was very, I thought about this. I was thinking about like, hmm, what could I go about? Again, all these questions I very, I thought a lot about. So yeah. You are a, an amazing <laughs> intellect, Dimitri. Like you, you analyzed that and you really broke it down. And I feel like I learned something. I felt like I learned something too. I also would voluntarily scream at others because um, I feel like I already do that internally. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like out loud, I feel wouldn't be much different. Genitalia is so fascinating because it comes in so many variations. And so sometimes whether I'm looking at a vagina or a penis, I'm just struck with this idea like, dang, dude, <laughs> you know, like there's, so, there's like, there's an awe to it because they're so different and just so it's uh, really like cracking open that yeah. biology. It's up. interesting that you see an awe to it. I find fear in it. Because I'm like, right? And it's like this idea of like, oh, this is unknown for me, right? This shape, this look, Mm -hmm. right, is very new to me. And so there's a fear there of like, oh, will I mess this up? Or is there a certain thing that I'm used to doing that I have to do differently now that I've not explored before? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so very, yeah, very opposite of like, oh my God, I would scream. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think too because I've because I sleep with men and looking at the opposite sexes genitalia and the fact that 
men are often indoctrinated with this idea like, oh, yeah, I got to be all about the dick and like, yeah, big dicks are awesome. Like that whole fascination. The fact that they get so much pride out of something so hideous to me is like more annoying. And so then I hate the genitalia more because it becomes a symbolism of something much greater. Okay, I have to admit something very shameful, which is very uncomfortable. So I was watching 90 Day Fiance, the new season. Yeah, it's it's a new form of colonialism, marrying people from other countries. Uh, okay, so there's a man and his job is to make underwear that has the penis shape built in. So there's like a foam penis shape. And they introduce him this, and he's talking about his business, like, oh, I make so much money. I'm just killing it. And I immediately just roll my eyes. And I was like, okay, why are we obsessed with, like, this big dick? Like, like literally, you're wearing underwear to, like, puff out your dick now? Like, everybody walking down the street is just going to be like, whoa, like, auga. Like, I was rolling my eyes. And I was like, this guy's a fucking douchebag. And then they interview him more. And he's a trans man. And he talks about how that underwear is really important for the trans community to feel like they're embodying the gender with which mm. they identify. And I felt so bad because of course, like that would be empowering. And it was just a blind sight, a uh, blind spot in, you know, like my cis woman's perspective. And so I felt awful for having that knee jerk reaction. And I was thinking about, you know, the trans people who are close to me and I was like, Oh my God, now I'm going to send them this guy's website <laughs> so that they can have like this, this <laughs> nice, like, you know, hefty foam penis and like really feel like when they walk down the street they're fully embodying their manhood and I was like oh my gosh I gotta send it to all these people that I love and so I admit that I was judgy and I was ignorant and now I want to buy a pair just for myself just to feel how it is that is all Ray um What's your take on the genitals, my bro? <laughs> so I didn't think, I thought that it meant just like randomly, you had no control over it. Like, yeah. Uh, right. So I was on the same boat as everybody else of, I'd rather do it to others because if I'm doing it to myself, that's happening a lot throughout randomly throughout my day. And that's going to start getting tiring. That that's it. It's, just, it's gonna be so tiring. I have to scream out loud every time I went to the bathroom just to pee. Okay, so as per usual, I am the outlier in this situation. I chose my own because I didn't want to make people feel bad. Oh. Yeah, and I I'm disgusted by my own body so much already that I can easily... I think we need to unpack that. I can easily avoid looking at my genitalia. It's, um... I I have a system, you know. So, okay. Well, that's a fun note to end on. Um, Would you rather... I mean, jockstraps came up earlier in this conversation, but would you rather wear a bra or a jockstrap for the rest of your life? And have you ever worn a bra or a jock strap? Because that factors into your decision as well. Um, I haven't worn either of them. I probably, I hope, 
I never have to wear either of them because bras have that metal bar or that metal wire thing in them. Yes. It's like and that just sounds awful. That sounds painful <laughs> when it stabs out and gets you. Uh, between these two, at least to my knowledge, I'm going to go with the jock strap. I don't know what a jock strap is, what it does, but we're going to hope that it has no metal wires in it. <laughs> oh, is that, is that? Dimitri, 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 oh, well, like, you know, jock shops are first used, like, for athletes, and they basically, like, they hold your front part, but the ass part is pretty much exposed, right? Um, Yeah, so, um, people actually like to wear them to the gym, um, surprisingly, Um, because it doesn't feel as restrictive from what I've been told. I've never worn it to the gym. I've worn it to other events, but never to the gym. (laughs) Um, I personally don't like jock shops, though, because, like, especially if, like, you're wearing jeans or, like, shorts that are not, like, athletic shorts, like, the rub against the jeans just feels weird. Like, you might as well just go commando, like, at this point, right? Um, I would wear mm. a bra only if it was a sports bra. Um, yeah, because um, I feel like with sports bra, they're a little bit more forgiving than a wired bra. Why do I know this? Don't ask me. I've never mm-hmm. worn a bra before. I just wanted to make that known. I don't know why I felt the need to make that known, but I did. Um, but yes, <laughs> I would. Totally yeah, natural, totally normal. Totally cool. Like to just you know <laughs> offer some justification. Um, yeah, yes. so I would wear a bra only if it was a sports bra. Mm-hmm. Alura, do you agree that sports bras are more forgiving, like Dimitri said, more comfortable? Yes, <laughs> she's the host of a podcast, y'all. <laughs> I think, okay, so I think I've brought this up on a, a previous episode that as a, a larger chested woman, that it's very difficult to find a bra and uh, very expensive as well and a little bit humiliating, which is part of every action in my life. But when you have to go in and be special fitted because you are beyond the sizes that are normally offered, um, there's just a lot of invasion Mm. to your body and lots of squeezing and groping and turning you and strapping you in. And so it feels very Victorian, like, you know, those old uh, images of women having to hold on to a bedpost while their nursemaid or uh, this is very whitewash history, of course, like like a nursemaid, like laces them up into a corset or something. That's kind of how it feels. So it makes me feel like my body is very burdensome and very excessive in that way. And, um, and then as an Asian American, I just, there's certain shames involved in having that kind of body that I've inherited that Norwegian side in the chestal region. Um, and so the Asian American side of my family is always having something to say about it, but I think bras are highly uncomfortable for all those reasons. But also I feel like I've never found a bra that allows me to forget that I'm wearing one. So it's always like this level of 
self-consciousness about the body that is very exhausting because you have this low hum of a narrative in your mind of like, oh my God, the hook, the strap, the this, the that, and the shape and, you know, the nipples and all that. Um, so that's very hard. I've never worn a jock strap, but I imagine like if Dimitri's saying it's making you aware of your pants rubbing against your body, that's uncomfortable too. So it's all bad. Would you rather be a ghost trapped in the body of Jason Momoa or Beyonce? <laughs> is it me? Anyone. This is open okay. forum. All right. I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Um, between these two, I think I'm going to have to go with Jason Momoa. Uh, because I've seen clips of what his house looks like. And I'm um, trying to check the rest of it out. I think he has a really cool pool, and it'd be a great time at his house. Hmm. It makes sense that he would have a nice pool. I mean, he is Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... Oh, my God. If I was Jason Momoa, I'd be skinny dipping all day long. Literally. <laughs> so, question. Would this ghost in jason momoa momoa or beyonce would we have control of like the motor functions and everything in that body or um, like, <laughs> or just, like a passenger in the vessel um you can choose and your choice says more about you than any answer i could give okay I I would choose Jason Momoa as well, but for very selfish reasons. I just want to see what I'm packing, but also who I can pack with that body. Mm -hmm. So that is literally like what I would do because you just see everyone like, you know, drooling. I'm over both of them, sure, but like I'm gay. So like I would rather see my own dick than, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But love Beyonce. It would be it would be so powerful to be that stunningly attractive and just walk through the world mm-hmm. and see how people respond to you. Yes. I was going to pick Jason just for that reason, um, to see the treatment I would receive. Um mm-hmm. but I think I would go into Beyonce's body because, you know, there are conspiracies that she is the queen of the Illuminati. So I would just want to (laughs) go in a day in the life and kind of see what the queen of the Illuminati is up to these days. Maybe go to a meeting, see what that's all about, you know? Typical Allura wants Mm. the power. I don't know. As someone who finds both men and women attractive, I think I'm going to have to go with Beyonce as well. Not for the Illuminati thing, but um, just <laughs> I don't I, I, I just I can't <laughs> articulate my love for Beyonce, but for someone to have created, and I understand don't like start posting or responding as if we have people who post our response to our episodes, but um, the people who are like, Oh, well, she's got like 42 producers credited on this. Okay. Whatever. She still created lemonade, like something that is so textured and layered, like this onion of all these 
this meaning and this history and just I haven't been moved by something like that in all my years of life but then also be able to pose on that fucking horse with that body like there's just such a range of existence it's like this intellectual power but also this just physical astoundingness that I I would have to know what it feels like and I'm sure Jason Momoa is a great intellect as well but I don't even care so yeah, that's where I go. Would you rather be called a bitch or a dick? Um, I get called I'm a dick all the time, so I actually prefer that. So <laughs> Because I feel like being called a bitch is just like so typical. Like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. we get it. I am it. But being called a dick I think is so funny and also an honor. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that because I feel like when you're called a bitch, it's usually like, oh, you're scared or you're like intimidated by something. But when you're a dick, you're just like, you're an asshole or you're like stubborn about what you want specifically. So I feel like it's a lot better because at least in this light, um, I'm not going to be like bending over backwards for other people or for whatever they want if that makes sense. Mm. I think it's also interesting how me and Raymond have two different uh, definitions of what being called a bitch is. Yeah. Just based on our genders. Mm-hmm. Like, Wait, being what? called a bitch really? here, for me, is like, you're bossy, you're mm-hmm. being, like, unreasonable, you're being shrill. Yeah. Whereas Raymond, it's like, like, man up essentially mm-hmm. you know like you're weak or something mm-hmm. yeah i was thinking the same exact thing dimitri i'd rather think? be called a bitch <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like like yeah like i feel like i've only like used well i like within the gay community it's like oh hey bitch like you know like Right, like an endearing term, right? But I also think that's rooted in like a gender thing, because like if you call the woman a bitch compared to a gay man, it's very different, right? Um, but something else I was thinking about is like when Alora was like being called a dick is an honor, and like I was thinking about like what you said <laughs> earlier, Jade, about like how we like how men pride themselves on like their penis and all that stuff, right? And so like. Does it feel like, oh, it's, like, better to be called a dick because it's affiliated with men, right? Um, Mm. But I don't know. Like, I just, I would rather be called a bitch than a dick. Like, yeah, you're a bitch. I'm like, yeah, I am that bitch. Like, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah, I am that dick. Like, no, that doesn't, like, that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I like how all of your responses really shed light on the gendered assumptions that we have in our language, just like the everyday language. Just one word can expose all of these assumptions that we have about each other based on the way we, you know, embody our identities. Okay, so this is the last question in the would you rather before we get to the deep stuff. Would you rather... Oh, this is creepy. Would you rather find a man or woman secretly secretly living in your attic, closet, or walls? 
That was my favorite <laughs> woman living in my wall. <laughs> Do we get to choose which location they're actually located in? Sure. Yeah. If it makes a difference. I mean. I don't think it does. I just wanted to ask this. Yeah. You just wanted to be a bitch about it. <laughs> she wanted to be a dick about it. That's what she wanted. Yeah. She wanted to... Well, I wasn't going to give her the satisfaction of being a dick about it. A bitch. Come on, attic walls. Yeah. Okay, so a man or a woman secretly hiding out in your house. Watching you. Waiting. I feel like it wouldn't take a long time to find a man in your attic closet <laughs> or walls. But a woman probably could stay there for years and you're not, you're not knowing. So I don't know which one is the worst of it. Because, like, one, you have to deal with it sooner. But then the other one... <laughs> <laughs> wait what do you think gives a man away the most the noise the smell i think all of it mm. i think yeah i just they're like bulls in china cabinets you know the stealth is not there and the smell is not there it is there actually mm. for most for most for some Raymond and Demetrius no are very offended that you call. Oh me. no! <laughs> I I'm just thinking more of that. Like I wouldn't want either. Like that just is very creepy. This is not part of okay, okay, That's okay, not okay, okay. I would choose. <laughs> I would choose a woman secretly living in my walls. One because I don't know how the fuck they would get out of the walls. <laughs> Like, <laughs> but two, like, I would rather have a woman watching me than a man. Yeah. Have you heard of this, like, Kool-Aid man challenge where these kids are busting through walls like the Kool-Aid man? What the heck? That's a thing. <laughs> Our society is on a quick downhill slope. <laughs> but I love the Kool-Aid man. It's so fun. Good part of my childhood. Anyway, Ray, what's your choice? Um, I'm going to have to go with the same thing. A woman in my walls, because my walls are such a small space that I don't really care if they're like hiding in there. And I feel like if it's a man, um, that's just creepier. Mm-hmm. As a whole, I find like, mm-hmm. I don't like the... Men are just I, creepier. Yeah, just as a whole, in general. Yes. I think patriarchy has taught us that men are always up to something perverted and sexual Mm -hmm. or violent. And so Mm -hmm. women are seen as less threatening, but Allura and I are here to prove that that's wrong. Okay. So we're on to some really deep questions now. And we're going to (laughs) start with um, gender from the outset. So a big trend in our society today is these gender reveal parties and um, Allura has recently, you know, done a baby shower and everything. We have lots of parties to celebrate the birth of a child. And there's gift lists, the wish list of clothes and certain colors and themes for a child. And all of that, as we know, um, gets factored into how the baby identifies. And I have a, a fun, um, traumatic story about my own birth. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was wondering... <laughs> 
How do you feel about gender reveal parties? And if you could ruin one, how would you do it? I feel like gender reveal parties are a coping mechanism for people to not have to deal with the unknown, right? Um, That there is some Mm -hmm. safety in knowing what you are, like the gender of your baby based on whatever the doctors say, or based on the genitalia of the baby themselves, right? Um, But it's like, oh, like, okay, we know what to expect, right? Based on what people think it means to be a boy versus a girl, right? Um, I, that's how I think of, like, when people do gender reveal parties, I think that's what it's rooted in, at least personally. Um, how would I ruin one? I would be like, can I be in charge of the color thingy, like, you know, and then doing black instead of a pink or a blue? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> And then being like, oh, you guess you'll never know. Like, sucks for you, fuckers. And then, yeah, that's it. Oh, my God. I would love to see the expressions on everyone's face when all this black smoke, like, shot out of a cannon or whatever the fuck they do. Or they they cut the cake and it's all black. Ooh. I want to have another baby just to have a party like that. I never understood the concept of gender reveal parties. Like, just... Have your doctor tell tell you what it is. Why is there a need for a celebration? People need too much fucking attention. And isn't it terrible that they document everything now and they post on social media or even if they just keep pictures for themselves, the kid's going to kind of feel bad either way. Like if you're celebrating, oh my God, it's a boy, <laughs> you know, um, it just kind of makes you feel bad. Like, why are we celebrating if it's a boy or a girl? Aren't we just happy that a human child is born healthy into the world? I mean, I guess we're supposed to be happy. This world sucks lately, so I don't know why you'd want to do it. But, yeah. So, my story with my gender is... (laughs) So, my mom got the oldest... It'll suck a lot for this one. (laughs) I'm going to explain a lot to you uh, so my mom got the ultrasound and my back was turned. Like every time they, they do a sonogram, my back was always turned. And so it was getting to the point toward the end of the pregnancy where my mom really wanted to know. And so they just kind of freeballed it, pardon the pun, but they just took a guess based on my size, offensive, body shaming from the beginning. They're like, well, this is a really big baby so, and on just what we can see and her head size and, you know, the length of her body, she's probably a boy. Like, this is going to be a big boy that you're having. So my mom, even though she claims that baby showers are representative of all that's wrong with American culture, had a big baby shower, which she documented by hand in my little baby book. So hypocrite. <laughs> um and everything was blue and yellow and cars and trucks and maybe the occasional giraffe thrown in, but super traditional, like, boy stuff. And so when I came out and they're like, oh, it's a girl, and everybody was so disappointed, especially with the Asian culture compounding it, like, you want the boy to be the first to carry on family name or whatever. Um I had all this blue and yellow stuff and I didn't have hair till I was like two. So it was just this bald, big ass kid walking around in like blue overalls. And so everybody treated me like a boy. 
And it made my mom very embarrassed and ashamed. So people were always assuming that I was something that I was not. And my mother was inherently ashamed of me from the day that I emerged from her evil, evil womb. So I guess I was set up for success is what I was saying. Ray, have you ever been to a gender reveal party? I have. And, and what did you I think? think? <laughs> I think the concept of it nowadays is kind of weird because there's really no point in celebrating like what gender the baby is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I really just like any excuse to hang out and barbecue. That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. That's the, that's the whole thing. I do those parties like gender reveal, the first birthday party, like, all those are never for the actual kid. It's never. always just for yeah. like the mom and the dad to celebrate and like be the center of attention for a little bit. That's actually the most humanity affirming response. Like, shouldn't we just have parties to get together and eat? Who cares what's hanging between this little kid's legs? Ooh, that's a good quote for our website. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mark the clip. (laughs) Alora, do you have a question from our little outline that you want to ask? Yes. um, I am interested. What makes you the most uncomfortable about people who identify as your same gender Mm -hmm. um, or the construction of that gender as a whole? Um, Well, the thing that makes me most uncomfortable about men it's yes. just how much they, how much so much of these guys like care about things that don't matter to them. Because like, you know, I try to be an ally as much as I can because I, I truly think that there is no reason that I should have a say in uh, a women's lifestyle choices because I can't live as a woman and I'll never have that. So like, I can't speak on it. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing for people who are in the LGBTQ community. Uh, Those are things and they experience things in their lives that I'll never understand. I can support as much as possible, but that there's just a very clear barrier there. Um, So I don't know. I just find it very weird that so many other men around are always like, they can't do this because it's wrong because of this and this and this Mm. without ever having uh, the chance to experience or listen to what they have to say on their side. Uh, Mm. But I think it's also like I was raised, um, both of my parents were around, but like my mom, she was like the one that taught me a lot of stuff like that. And I think growing up being raised by your mom, you're always just kind of like, Oh, why, why should I have a say in this and that? Like, it's just whatever as the, yeah. Mm. Yeah. People setting kind of boundaries for themselves based on something that's like an artificial construct for them. That's kind of sad. I mean, very limiting, you know, but the rich spectrum of experiences that you can have and just because of this reason, Oh, I have a penis or I identify as a man. I can't do that when maybe it was something that they love. life's too short to be uh building so many walls around stuff like that like man just do what you love 
Ray is the most enlightened of all of us. Beautiful Raymond. <laughs> yeah. Dimitri, let's bring it down. Let's get real. <laughs> what makes you uncomfortable about the other he's and him's of the world? I mean, I think I think it's similar to what Ray has uh, shared, but it's really that we perpetuate notions of what it means to be a man and that anything outside of that is deemed as less than, right? Um, like, mm. growing up, like, most of my cousins that were in my age range were, were women, right? And the folks, about, like, older than me were all men. And so, like, I couldn't hang out with them because they would, like, do stuff that I couldn't do, like, drinking and stuff. So I had to hang out with all the girls. But then, because of that, I adopted, quote, unquote, more feminine characteristics. Um, but as a result of that, like, I wasn't man enough, right? Um, and so then I was ultimately relegated to tasks that women in Islander culture would ultimately do. Um so like I, I think just that whole idea that like once you're a man, once you've been labeled as a man, you're expected to do certain things, behave a certain way, and people buy into that, right? Um but the moment you fall outside of that, it's like, oh, you're not enough then. Hmm. I think that same applies for women as well. Especially, I mean, Dimitri, what you shared of growing up around girl cousins and just kind of socializing that way. Like, I had the same, like, I always bonded more with boys, um, in part because I felt like the girls were always sizing me up and judging me. And I think that's the thing that makes me most uncomfortable about women is that they become complicit in this sexualization of each other of like always being like, oh, what are you wearing? And how come? Oh, and if you dress up too much, then you're slutty. Or you're needing attention, but if not enough, then um, there's something wrong with you, or you're a slob, or you're disgusting, or you're not just keeping up with the femininity expectation. So, just that tearing each other down and excluding each other based on something that's supposed to unite you, then it's just ridiculous. You can't really make anybody happy, so you just got to do what feels right yeah. to you. Allura, what makes you most uncomfortable about women? Um, I would say like the cattiness that we can sometimes have to each other and like I hate when women just don't get along with like other women just because they're maybe jealous or hold some sort of resentment of any characteristic that they may not have that you have. Um, something else, because I know it's it's pretty well known that I do not want to have children or I don't have maternal instincts. Um, so I find it very annoying and uncomfortable when people, well, women will be like, oh, you'll change your mind, you know, oh, about yeah. you not wanting children. Because that's like your birthright. That's what you're put on this planet to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 2023. Um there are women mothers out there that should not be mothers. Mm-hmm. And also look at the state of the world. Don't want to do it. Yeah. I'm not and, going to do it. And even so. if that wasn't the case, it's your choice. Like, I yes. mean, people shouldn't make you feel like you're at a deficit because you're not going to have kids. The flip side of that is, you know, because I 
am a mother, people will say these platitudes of positivity because I'm a mother and be like, oh, well, you're such a hard worker, such a good person. And this happened a lot when I was pregnant. They would just like idolize me because I was pregnant. And I'm like, you don't know anything about me. Like, and every woman who's pregnant right now or is toting a kid around, it doesn't mean that they're Mm -hmm. a good person because they got fucked and are now having the baby, you know, like that's ultimately what it boils down to. So there's these overarching narratives about motherhood that are not realistic and really does a disservice to women and their children. Um, I, I have that too, like with my own mom, like in choosing to set a very firm boundary with her, people are always like, well, that's your mother and you only have one and you should, you know, keep in, contact with her and love her and all that's you know your mother is the the special thing how do you know like what do you know about my mother that should prove to me that I need to sacrifice my health my safety all of these things my sanity to be in contact with her so like let's let go of this mythology that mothers and women are these perfect paragons of virtue that we need to protect at every turn everybody can be an asshole whether you're a man or a woman, like let's judge people on their level of assholeness rather than, you know, their vagina or their penis. Anyway, I have, <laughs> I, have, I have two questions that go hand in hand. So first part of the question is what question do you have for me and Allura about being women? Ooh. let's take a walk on the wild side. So ask your question. We'll give a response. And then that will set the, the foundation for my second question. What do you want to know about being women? Because me and Alert <laughs> know it all. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're really thinking earnestly about it. And I'm nervous for their questions. Um, oh, I have a question. Um, Uh, like how do you think women who were born and identified as women since birth right or like you know um treat trans women or like folks who have transitioned over time right um do you feel like there is acceptance for trans women within like with women who persist women or do you feel like there's resistance um, primarily I'm thinking about like, oh, do folks think, oh, you don't know what it feels like to actually be a woman, like that, that kind of narrative or discourse, or it's like, oh. you will never understand what it's like to be in our bodies, like, you know, um, and so I'm curious mm-hmm. what that experience has been like for you all. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Laura. <laughs> No, that is a great question. Um, I was thinking, like, when you were asking it, um, I used to watch um, Nikita Dragon. She is um, a trans woman. And, like, she would document, like, her whole journey. And I think one of, like, the main, um, like, pushback or, like, um, criticism she received was, like, but you're not a woman you've never you will never know like what it's like to have like these like experiences um anatomically you know 
Um, but that's how she identifies. And so I don't know. It's very interesting because I think it's not – it's like a subjective question because every person holds their own, like, opinions and, like, their own, like, belief system. And so I think it's also generational too. Like, mm. I'm on the younger side, so I feel like Gen Zers – have a way more like open mindset um in like in comparison to just like millennials too or like the baby boomers of course they're up in arms but like me I'm always like be who you want to be you know like if that's how you feel that's how you feel it's validated that's not my issue you know like I will never like push hate or like push back on how someone identifies or feels inside and it's also like, who cares if they have never felt that, you know, like, how does that affect me at all? Like, just let them live. My goodness. <laughs> so I never understood like that aspect of like, people are so concerned how other people live their lives when they're just trying to like express who they are and how they feel on the inside, you know? I don't know if that answered your question. That was just me, like, <laughs> going into a tangent. Dimitri's like, writing down wrong. We're not. No, I would never. <laughs> no, like, that's, that's very, that would be such a mad thing to do, but I'm not. Don't worry. <laughs> I think what Allura is bringing up about um, this issue of people who, uh, like cis women who are saying oh well trans women haven't experienced menstrual cycles or um, you know what it's like to have a woman's body especially in cases of sexual assault and rape that run way more rampant than any statistic can ever attest to but I think that is like a um, not what Allura is saying but that trend in our society to see it that way is a continued conflation of gender identity and sex or biology because, you know, we have menstrual cycles and we have vaginas and we have all this plumbing that goes into being a woman because we are cis women, but that's not our gender identity. That's the, the sex and the biology of it. So I think people often entangle those two and make their assumptions and arguments based on that, which is not fair. Like, I agree with Allura, especially with trans people in my family and friends and just in the community and how much love I have for them. And even if I didn't, I would totally support trans rights because, I mean, there is nothing more painful, I think, than saying this is who I am and for someone to say no. Like, I just, I think that is the essential robbing of humanity. And so I don't understand why people are against someone just identifying as who they are and there's there's no action there's no motive to like hurt anyone else it's just people saying this is who I am like of course like be that live that like let me buy you these underwear that I saw on 90 day Beyonce like anything that helps you know but I will um Alara one thing that you mentioned is like it's generational and I just want to talk about that because I think oftentimes we address these controversial quote unquote issues, um, especially with like how the Republican party is coming down on like drag communities now and demonizing that culture and those individuals and communities, which is just insane to me. But the, like the discussions often hinge on, well, 
you know, older people or white people, they don't understand that. And like, we're younger and we get it and things are changing. And I think that there's hope in that, but I think that narrative can also be very damaging. Like if we think of how those arguments have played out in terms of race and say, oh, well, in the past people were racist and now it's getting better or it will get better. But in the past, there were people who saw that it was fucked up too. And they just got like steamrolled and silenced. And so I feel like, especially within our respective cultures, there were trans people, there were third gender people thousands of years ago that were accepted, if not celebrated. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that the history wasn't all hateful and exclusive. There were many, many people who could see through it. So I think if we talk about our history like that, it's even more hopeful because then we can see even when our government is trying to criminalize people for doing drag of all things, it's like empowering communal based activity and culture that it feels hopeless sometimes, but we need to remember that there are so many people who see through that bullshit and are not hating, but loving. Um, So I don't want it to be just a generational thing, but to know that there's always good people, even when there's bad things happening. Um, And that's a good way to protect our brothers and sisters and third gender individuals too. Um, So I think it's fucked up for, you know, cis or biologically defined women to fucking out or step on their trans sisters because oh my god, like, if you're choosing to be a woman and put up with all this shit, I'm bound to you, honey. Like, I'm gonna protect you and fight for you. Like, you may, you, you want that? This is who you are? Um, and you have to go through so many obstacles, whether it's surgery or dress or just the discrimination to fight to belong in that category of woman, then it is my duty as someone who doesn't have to do all those added steps to support you and uplift you and protect you. So that's how I see it. But I know that I'm still learning and I just want to listen to the voices of trans women and see what those experiences are like. And like I said earlier, like I am always ignorant and learning stuff all the time. So I'm just trying to figure out how to better understand and support. I talked for a long time. I'm very lonely. <laughs> Ray, did you have a question for me and Allura about being women's? Um, I I think I got a good one. Or I think uh, I got a question now. But okay. um what is a lesson that you learned in your life uh by like by your own research, I guess, that you think should be taught to more women or the next generation of women? I would say to know your body Um, because we live in a world where we have systemic violence committed against women. And I'm not just talking about the straight up violent, like assault and rape and all that stuff that so many of us have had to suffer. But I'm talking about like going to the doctor and the ways that 
the institution of medicine can be very violating if you don't know what's in your own body. And so many girls and women don't even know what their parts are. And so I've really made a concerted effort to talk very transparently to my daughters about what their body parts are called and what they do and what could happen and what might not, but could, you know, so that they're aware so that they go into a doctor's appointment with knowledge that equips them to speak back to whatever puppet of the institution that's trying to put them on pills or do whatever procedure and what have you. And I think for women of color, this is more pronounced if we look at Oh my God, like the horrific history of medical testing on black women or, um, you know, like <laughs> testing of birth control pills in um, Puerto Rico and like mass sterilization and then forget about all the shots that Asian women and, and then Pacific Islander women with the effects of nuclear testing on their bodies and their reproductive history, like all this global shit that so many women have had to put up with. And I think if we teach our young women what's in their bodies, what has happened to others, what could happen to them, not to scare them, but to inform them so that they know how to talk about it and how to ask questions and how to seek help that doesn't rely on white Western medicine. You don't have to take a pill for this. There's lots of other ways that our people have been taking care of these issues for thousands of years. And so there's not just one way to treat your body. And that way is not through the lens of white westernized men who are seeking a profit off your body. And I think along those lines, taking care of your body also means knowing how to fight. All of our daughters are involved in some kind of self-defense training because they're already, I mean, they're young, but they're already experiencing the fragility in some ways of what it means to be a woman. And I don't want them to have that as the sole narrative that being a woman doesn't mean you're weaker or that, okay, if a boy hits you or pulls your hair or does this to you, doesn't mean you just have to lay down and take it because you're weaker. So I want them to have the story too, that, that they are strong and they can fight. And they, my goal is to have my daughters be able to kill someone with their bare hands if they need to. Like Allura's laughing, but like, I'm dead serious about that. Like I'll be damned if someone hurts my daughter in the ways that I've been hurt or the ways that my mother or my grandmother were hurt. I'll be damned. And I, I admit I cried when I found out I was having daughters I didn't have a gender reveal party because I think that's bullshit. I would literally shit on a blue or a pink cake. But I cried when I got the results because I was so worried to bring a girl into this world. I come from a very matriarchal family. And even with badass women, I saw what awful things happened to women. And so I'll be damned if they have to go through the same things again. <laughs> I need my slide whistle. Um, Allura, what are you going to teach to women? No, I was going to say, like, know how to protect yourself, like, as well. Um, just because it's a dangerous world out there. And women are damsels in distress when they don't know, you know, mm-hmm. how to fight exactly. Um, 
I've always been obsessed with true crime, mostly because it makes me feel better to like be educated in the different ways that male predators like target women, you know, and so that's that kind of makes me feel a little bit protected in my twisted mind of like, aha, like, (laughs) I know the tricks. You can't come to me. Um, So I would just say, like, have women be more aware of their surroundings and all of, like, the dangers that we face just walking to our cars late at night or just anything of that nature. But also, like, letting them feel empowered and not just, like, scared to go anywhere, you know? Like, Mm. you know? So live without fear. That's what I would say. Education and true crime and um <laughs> watch how other women have been murdered and don't let this happen to you. Um okay, so this follow-up question is a very short one, and you should say the first thing that comes off the top of your head, but I'll remind you that there's only one correct answer. Which woman would you rather be? Me or Allura? Go, Raymond. <laughs> Do you want do you want to handle this one, Dimitri? Oh, you're singing too long about it. I think I think sure. Um, I yeah, I would choose Auntie Jade. Um, be oh because because I feel like Auntie Jade has mentored Alora, and you see a lot of. Alora's characteristics in Auntie Jade. And so I'd love to be Auntie Jade to be able to mentor <laughs> the next generation of women. That was a very, that was a very answer. diplomatic answer. I know. <laughs> yes. For, cause this is a podcast. We have to say that Dimitri just did a song. <laughs> yeah, I know I can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm All gonna right, Raymond, have to you go can't with Laura though, because Auntie Jade, I see like I see how like stressed out she is at That's the, the right team meetings. And Auntie, I love you because you're a stronger person than I am. Uh, but man, sometimes I'm like, oh god, that yeah, that, actually that's why that's where I'm gonna yeah. end that. Um yeah. <laughs> Because I am a stress case. It's really miserable being me, honestly. Allura is the correct answer because she's living like a queen. Um, Allura, I was going to combine two of them. Okay. Just in the interest of time. Because I know these gentlemen have rich and fulfilling lives they need to get to. Sure. So you both identify as Pacific Islander men. Yes. Correct? (laughs) (laughs) so keeping in mind other pi men who might be listening or the women who love them care for them that are in their lives what advice would you offer to them in terms of gender identity or sexuality and for our larger audience like what do you want our listeners to 
know and learn from your own experiences about gender and sexuality? So I think the hardest thing that I had to learn growing up is that it's okay for you to be, because I I identify as a straight uh, Pacific Islander man. Uh, With that being said, I have been told that I have a very flamboyant way of talking or that I'm not as masculine as other PI men in my family, as well as just men in general. Uh, And coming to terms with the reality that I may not be as like air quotes for this one, I may not be as manly as other men out there or maybe not in the ways that they uh, want me to be. But that doesn't take away from my experiences as a straight Pacific Islander man. Um, And breaking down that wall also kind of let me be more honest about Mm -hmm. my emotions. Because I'm able to now kind of like look at everything that I've gone through. I can understand my emotions a little better. And I have no problems vocalizing the things that are stressing me out or... um, or that are making me feel this anxiety. Because I feel a lot of the times, especially Pacific Islander men, tend to like keep all of that inside of them. And that just makes it 10 times worse later on down the line when they can't hold it in anymore. Hmm. Well said. Dimitri? I, I, I think for me, it, it's within the realm of education. I think that's where my mind automatically went to. And I don't know, like, if I think this is just what I've experienced, but, like, doing well in school is seen as such a non-masculine thing to do for some reason, um, especially for Pacific Islander men. It's like, oh, no, I just need to work. You know, I just need to make the money. Um, and I think because of that, you see, like, a difference in performance academically between Pacific Islander men versus like Pacific Islander women. And I think for me, what my piece of advice is that you can do, like you can support the family, you can do all the things that you feel you need to do as a Pacific Islander man through education still, right? That you don't have to let your education slip through your fingers for the sake of living up to whatever it is you believe. is necessary to be a man in our culture. Um, and so I would just encourage like our Pacific Island men to take their education seriously um, and to see it as an avenue to do better for our peoples and for our families um, in the future. Um, so yeah. I love these very empowering and loving messages that you have for our listeners and that is why Allura and I wanted to have you both on today because we feel like you're real role models not just for the specific population of Pacific Islander men who may identify with you but for everyone of just seeing what a true man is and speaking about these things and bringing awareness and sharing your intellect but also your heart on these topics. I am selfish and I like the cherry on top of the dessert. And I would say that I have a one last question for each of you that is the cherry on this dessert of an episode. Dimitri. I'm frightened. 
<laughs> Dimitri, as you mentioned earlier, we met in a very formal setting and you erroneously saw me as very capable and very, uh, you know, intimidating, if you will. But I am just, I'm, I'm really slumming it in terms of humanity. So I am just uh, a trash person. And so <laughs> I was really grateful and relieved that in, I believe it was just our second or maybe third conversation together, you brought up a strip club. And I was like, this is why I love Dimitri. He is this intellectual, wonderful person all around, but he can still tell me stories about a strip club. So what is the most uncomfortable thing you've seen in a strip club? Wait, okay, wait, was it a strip club or was it, okay, does Magic Mike count as a strip club? Because I think that's what we're talking about, right? Oh, okay. So it was a yeah, strip I went show. Yeah, I went of. to Magic like Mike because I was like, I've never been, I was like, what strip club are we talking about? I've been to Magic Mike. Okay, so a strip show. What would you call that? Girl, I don't maybe? know, but I called it heaven for a little bit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, what's the funniest thing I've seen at that in during the show? Yeah. Funniest or most uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh, okay. So, like, the most uncomfortable part was there's a portion of the show where they put whipped cream on, like, audience members, like, their body. Um, and I get, like... Hold on, I gotta buy with, And I, I get the whole, like, you know, like, oh, it's, like, audience participation kind of thing. But, like, mm-hmm. there's something unsettling about seeing a man bring up someone randomly but then also women just being so like yes like let just put it all over me right when I'm like you don't know where this man's <laughs> mouth has been like you don't know like yeah. is is this whipped cream expired like where was it before this you know I don't know but like I'd be like you don't put whipped cream on me but you know you could put your face somewhere else and we'll go with that but I was not about <gasps> yeah I was not about that yeah that was the most uncomfortable thing you know what would be gross if the whipped cream was warm ew line cross yeah i I agree with you it's highly unsanitary and it's just kind of it makes it feel dirty when you see people acting so thirsty for this little i don't know that's not even it's not affection it's just this weird sexual ritual well thank you for that um ray this is the best thing that i've ever written in my whole life as a writer Mm -hmm. you are a marine biology major (laughs) because you have a commitment to our earth and preserving the beautiful life that exists in our oceans the blue continent, some might say, for Pacific Islanders. And it's just a very valiant effort for you to save the world in this way. My question is, which marine animal do you find most sensuous and why? <laughs> and every single time I think about it, I still dying can't for this come answer, up by with the an way. answer for you guys. I know Laura's been begging for this one since the script but Raymond just right off the top of my head I'm thinking of a fish okay 
Yeah, yeah, you are. Like fresh well, tilapia, like fish like now. that. I would go with like a rainbow trout because they have the most like the coolest looking pattern. It just they're just pretty looking. Um, but like all fish species, including like dolphins, whales, everything like that. Um, yeah, well, this is your fault, Auntie. We have to get into it. Oh, uh, I'm dolphins. literally, I was like, dolphins. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think, yeah, because dolphins have sex I'm gonna for go with pleasure. The pink so. dolphin, because it's the now most elusive yeah. dolphin. You can't, like, very, very, yeah, the chase, you know. It's hard Ooh, to find you like a pink to play hard to get, don't you? <laughs> right? Oh my god, they're so interesting looking. Hmm. Ooh, did it take you to a porn site? I know, but they're like, they look, they're white. Uh Uh-oh, you know how Dimitri feels about white people. (laughs) They look, yeah, that's why I was like, oh. (laughs) No, it just looks like a dolphin. That's not as majestic as I imagined. Wait, where? Oh, Ooh, have you seen the Amazon River oh. dolphin? Whoa, yeah. yuck. So if you just type Amazon King dolphin, dolphin in Google, like you just will be very turned off. You know what? And question I your marine my biologist. I was very turned off. I stand by my answer. Said that. Raymond, either you want to take back that answer? A, either way, guys, mm. believe it or not, it's not oh. actually going to happen. So I'm okay. <laughs> Me and I'm... Exactly. Exactly, Nancy. What's gonna happen? What's not gonna happen? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I really just want Ray to say these things. Highly dis- well, what's yeah. your answer, Nancy? Okay, highly disappointing. Very <laughs> Okay. Oh, it looks like we're out of time. Oh, Turntables. Yeah. <clears throat> I I don't know enough about sea life mm. to have an answer for that. I mean you're the room. I would say an octopus. Ooh. Ooh, it could so put like grip. oh sorry I totally was going in a different direction for this <laughs> no, what were you going to say like, Dimitri you no got I was like oh there. it could put a tentacle in different holes like but you were like the suction and I was like oh yeah like <laughs> truly like ooh, I inked on you like you know isn't that the whole know. premise Maybe. of the octopus porn in uh, Japan I don't know what <laughs> Alura, you're Japanese. This is part of your cultural obligation to know this stuff. You're right. I'm. I bring dishonor amongst my family. Always. You're the Mulan of your time. Yes. All right. Well, I guess that <laughs> is a good. <laughs> that's a good way to end the episode. <laughs> Japanese octopus porn. So. Thank you so much, Dimitri and Raymond, for coming on the pod and talking all the masculinity. Um, Until next time. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram at TMMU Podcast. We're on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. Um, Tell us if you've watched Octopus Porn or any other um, tidbits we mentioned on the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, make good choices. 
Peace.